yada, yada, yada. Trap chalk that's concrete, Jimmy trying to repeat Sit back, relax, and just let Nick kick the facts Most of these cats just stay believing in the stats Rasta damn spooky, take offense like Tucci Coming for the moolie, on your bennies couldn't push me Rebuilding your peak, grab a beer or some tree Elite XVI pod, too intense for the beat And welcome back to the Elite Fantasy Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Mazzetti. Join with me, as always, is Michael Broadbent. What's up, brother? Not too much, man. We've had a lot happen over the last, uh, what, three weeks since our last podcast? Four weeks? Um, it, I'm excited it, to get into it all. It feels like it was only like last week. Uh, I feel like our velocity is picking up a little bit now that we're kind of like in the middle of the season and in like a football mind, but it feels like we're, we're doing them pretty often. Yeah, no, uh, I agree. It seems to be at minimum once a month, so yeah. it's nice to get back into this again. But yeah, I was I was excited when you brought it up the other day because you know I wasn't even thinking about doing a podcast because it felt like we did one some, so recently, and you were like, "Hey, you you want to do another podcast?" And I was like, "Yeah, I think certainly enough has happened to warrant it." So so let's go, right? For sure, and they seem to be a good lightning rod for people in the league to kind of like get giddy and active. So yeah, I, I I feel like you know. Uh, like anytime that you're in the trade market, you should just do a podcast because like that just <laughs> that just like shakes the trees and then stuff starts falling down. For sure. Um, but so uh, so yeah, I mean, uh, I guess right now some big news that we have is it seems like Fantrax has resolved or ma- mostly resolved their issues with their staff provider. Yep. Um, so the story on that, um, if you guys aren't aware, is basically Fantrax has a third-party staff provider that they use that a lot of other sites use, like FanDuel and Yahoo. Uh, but Fantrax, I don't, I don't think that they're like a profitable company yet. I think they're still up and coming, so they don't have that kind of like redundancy of having multiple providers configured for them at the same time. Because those are like expensive as shit. I remember back yeah. when I was trying to do my own fantasy site, like from scratch. Like, this dude was quoting me at some like, like he quoted me for more money than I was worth at that time for a <laughs> first that feed. And I was like, nah, no, no, thank you. I'm I'm a poor college student. But basically, I think what happened was that staff provider uh, that staff provider got got uh, ransomware uh, on on their uh, on their basically IT infrastructure which basically holds that company hostage unless you pay the hackers like bitcoins or something that are untraceable to to pay for it and then they send you a password and it unlocks it but so there that that feed was locked out for them and they didn't have another configuration in so i think that they they either got that resolved and onboarded to a new provider or they're or like they're mainly on a new provider and it's still getting resolved. It's some combination. I think that they're going to have two at one time now, but they say that it should never happen again. Um, and I know that you reached out to them, right? And then... Yeah, so we reached out to Fantrax when all this happened and uh, I sent a very uh, Karen-worded uh, message to them on, on Twitter and they refunded our uh, league fees for the year. So next year will be free for us if we choose to use Fantrax again. I think we will because I think... We, I have no complaints about Fantrax up until two weeks ago. So uh, I have a feeling we're going to stick with it. Uh, it makes managing the league very easy. I think the UI is better than ESPN. I think uh, in a lot of ways, it's better than any of the other platforms I've used. 
it, it, it was funny when we were in the group chat and all of a sudden uh, Alexander Hamilton or whatever stood up and said that we should um, we should, we should <laughs> vote and, and switch to a new platform. And the whole time I'm thinking like, like what 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 is happening? Like I'm I'm never going to manually track people's contracts again. Like I'm yeah. having a kid in two months. Like I I I can't have a part time job again. Like, I, I think we're all <laughs> phased out of the manual work that required yeah. for that kind of uh, setup we used to have. And just from like tracking these stats the last two weeks, like that took like hours out of my week to do that. And yeah. I just knew the league would like really suffer if we didn't know where the fuck we were for three weeks. And then suddenly, like, oh, uh, price is five and two. How the fuck did he get to five and two? But, <laughs> yeah, he like, went up winning five nothing or something. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So it's just, I can't. I, I don't realistically think we'll we'll leave fan tracks. Yeah. Well, I, I know that everyone appreciates all the effort you put in in that because you know certainly most of the the matchups were were uh, tallied close enough that you can get an idea of who won and who lost and yeah still we'll we'll find out what what the the end like the final result is once everything's finalized um but yeah i mean it's you know we're, we're in the meat of the season right now people are trying to decide whether they are contenders or pretenders and yep. you you need to know where you stand so um that that information is super helpful appreciate you doing that yeah of course um now it'd be a good time to uh i guess catch up on on some of some of the trades um right is that or or, or do we want to talk yeah, about let's, let's, the, all the suspensions and bye weeks and stuff like that i, I think we should just run through the trades uh okay we have we haven't done this in since the 24th of september uh so we have probably about a dozen or so trades to kind of breeze through here um the first couple were kind of made in tandem uh i had I've tried over the past few years to leave my roster as open as possible to just like scoop up guys I think might have value at some point during the year. Um, two of those guys that I was able to scoop up this year, and this was after like different news sources say that, you know, so-and-so is the backup in Carolina or so-and-so is the backup in San Francisco. So I was able to move uh, Mike Davis and Jerick McKinnon for a second round pick each. And then Jerick McKinnon, I got a little bit more for, but it's just kind of the idea that, it's better to be flexible with your bench rather than be locked into long-term deals on, on rookies or guys you're taking a stab on. Because if, if you miss, you're, you're hamstring, hamstringing yourself for not only the short term, but possibly the long term. Um, it's just a little win there. For sure. I mean, for, for those guys, I think they're worth talking about because Mike Davis has been operating at a level that is pretty much indistinguishable from Christian McCaffrey for yeah. the most part. Like, um, so I'm not sure if that's if I mean, he's definitely a baseline level good. I don't know if he's CMC good, but you have to wonder how much of CMC's production is that offense tailoring to wanting to play a very particular way with the running back. Um, so I think even though Jack gave up a second for him, um, I think that Mike Davis has at least shown that when CMC is back, um, you know maybe it's. Maybe that's like a 70 30 timeshare. Like, yeah, ultimately it, it kills both their value, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, it does. Or, you know, if, if something happens where McCaffrey, you know, he dings himself back up again or he gets some kind of setback, I think even though Jack really isn't in it, in it to win it this year, Mike Davis might be resellable um, again at some point this season. And then with the Jared McCaff- uh, McKinnon one, that was supposed to be a very short term value for, for McKinnon because it was about, Mostert being out and then Mostert gets hurt on his first game back. Um, 
so that that he might wind up having a little bit more value uh, into a, a longer stretch in the season. So I'm um, still I, I don't think that you know it's like these guys are long term guys or anything like that. But um, it, I don't think that these are two two trades to gloss over. These are guys that um, could could be difference makers um, down the rest of the season. Yep. Uh, the next t- trade is between you and Andrew. It was Bradley Chubb for a couple of third round picks. I was kind of surprised he went for this little. Um, just knowing how much you like Chubb and seeing what a guy like uh, like Khalil Mack went for a little bit beforehand. Yeah, I, for for me, I love Chubb. Uh, obviously, it was just I had Khalil Mack, who's only an edge rusher on a three, and I had Bradley Chubb, only an edge rusher on the three. Mm-hmm. Realistically, I'm I'm never going to start Chubb over Mack, even if the matchup's better because. Mac is just Khalil Mac, you know, you, like you yeah. never want to bench a stud like that. So I just try to squeeze no out the line uh, designation anymore. Yeah, that that's it was all about. It has nothing to do with me thinking that it's a good time to sell on Chubb. It's just my roster changed when an opportunity struck. Gotcha. Another IDP trade is next. Uh, Christian traded uh, a third round pick for Brandon Graham to Steve. Uh, Christian seems to love making these kind of in season trades where he just slightly improves his IDP situation mm-hmm. um, and sells off his lower end picks. And, uh, you know, it's whatever. It's nothing. It's not a big deal, this trade. Uh, Graham certainly proved his worth this past week against you when he got two sacks, which is probably the only multi-sack game we'll have this year. But <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, it's it, it's it's a third round pick in 2021. I think that when you start getting to 2022 and 2023, that's when... You can start playing, you know, a different mental game on what later picks are worth because you can get that long-term protection without being hamstrung by the contract. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, third-round pick next year uh, that should be pretty late for a guy that kind of floats in and out of free agency. That's a usable D lineman edge rusher. Yeah, that's a fine deal. No yeah, I, I misspoke. He had a two-sack game against Cincinnati earlier this year. So, oh, well, yeah. Yeah, whatever. Uh, so the next trade was uh, Jimmy landed uh, Bobby Wagner from Henry uh, for two second round picks and a contract dump. Uh, mm-hmm. Again, I, I like this trade for Jimmy. He's, he's in a win now, surprisingly in a win now, uh, which we'll kind of discuss more later. Um, his team's in great shape. Is one of probably three good teams in the national Um so I get why he's trying to, to improve his team as much as he can. Um, and this, I think he's on a three-year deal or a two-year he, deal. He's, he's on a two-year deal, 30 years old. So for that reason, I actually like it for Henry too, for where his team's at. I, yeah. I don't think that he was ever going to get a one for Bobby Wagner. So getting multiple twos, I think is great. Yeah, we're a uh, win-win kind of trade. And yep. the next trade we're going to talk about uh, at the time, and I still kind of feel this way, is a, a lose-lose, if that makes sense. Uh, <laughs> and things have kind of changed since then, but... Hess traded Tyler Lockett and Chris Thompson to Gage slash Tucci uh, for Scotty Miller, James Robinson, uh, a 2021 third round pick, a 2022 second round pick, and a 2021 first round pick. That's your pick, Nick. Um, Now, I say it's a lose-lose because at the time, (laughs) if you're lucky, yeah. Uh, At the time... Hess's contract situation was a nightmare, and this situation, this trade, only made it worse. Um, and if you didn't know at the time, he had Dak Prescott, who was healthy, on a two-year deal. He had Chris Godwin on a two-year deal. 
He had Kenny Galladay on a two-year deal. He had Hunter Henry, who he had just traded a lot for on a one-year deal. And he also had one other notable player on a one-year deal. Um, And this added another player on a one-year deal who he basically had to resign given what he gave up. And Tyler Lockett was the only guy who was on a somewhat long-term deal. I think he was on a four or he is on a four. So this kind of muddied his situation more. And Gage, this is kind of a win-now trade when I don't necessarily think he's got a win-now team. I think Gage doesn't view it as a win-now trade. I look at it like I'm not looking at James Robinson as what he's going to do next year. I'm just like naturally averse to anoint uh, running backs that come out of nowhere that are productive early. Like uh, it, it feels like running back is such a a situational uh, situationally based production. Uh, so this is a team that doesn't really have any kind of capital thrown behind Robinson. So nothing's really guaranteed for him. So um, it, it really feels like, you know, I think we talked about this before of like James Robinson's going to be that Philip Lindsay type dude that is going to get resigned for a five-year deal or four-year deal this off season. And then suddenly someone else is going to come in there and then muddy the situation and, um, and it's 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 not going to look like a long term cornerstone running back. It's going to be just like a guy who had his his moment in the sun that you're wind up slapping a big deal on. Yeah, uh, I definitely would agree with the the. Not saying he's a similar player, but somewhere on the uh, Alfred Morris slash yep. uh, Philip Lindsay spectrum, yep. where they nobody saw it coming, and the turnover of the team kind of changed a lot of things. Uh, so the next trade is uh, between Thurston and Hol- Olson. Uh, Olson sent two second round picks, one in 2021 and one in 2022 for James White, I believe on a two-year deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is kind of just a very desperate move by Olson to just get a somewhat competent body in at running back. Um, James White's usage in this offense has changed a lot. I mean, his dad also passed away and made him miss some time, but uh yeah, not a so big fan of this trade. For, also. for this deal, was this after Nick Chubb went down? Yes. Okay, so that makes sense. So, um, you know, Olsen's just trying to pay whatever he can for a running back that's going to get, you know, 10 points a game or something like that, RB2 production. Yep. Uh, so the next notable trade that happened is I traded, uh, I swapped Jack uh, Weaver priorities and sent him a second round pick. He sent me a third round pick for the ability to sign Travis Fulgham. Uh, I just thought it was like the only life shown in Eagles wide receiver room for like years now. And it was worth just throwing a contract. I'd sit around in, in case he ends up being good. And I'm, I think he might be good, but you know, the, the jury's still out on whether or not he's actually going to be legit week to week. Yeah. I, I think that, well, well, number one, he's got the opportunity this year and yeah. you definitely have a team that screams need for short term help at wide receiver. Mm-hmm. especially with Cortland Sutton after the year. Um, I think that, you know, that two-year deal, it's it's such a sneaky good contract because that, that two years locks you in for the season and only the season, and it opens you up for flexibility in the offseason for, like, you can re-sign them yourself, you can trade them to someone else, you can trade them, trade a re-sign for them. Like, you, you, have, you have options, yep. and you have options without – committing long-term so yeah the, i think the, those two-year contracts in the middle of the season for a guy that you're interested in those are sneaky value contracts big fan big fan i agree uh and the next trade was between uh 
Christian and Thurston. Uh, Thurston traded cornerback Mike Hilton to uh, Christian for a 2023 second round pick. Um, I love the steal for Thurston. I mean, this is the second yeah. year in a row that the, the bros have done this, where they traded a second round pick for a corner and a, a win now kind of move. I don't know. Yeah. I think yeah, I mean, I would love to see the the text exchange that led to this one because, um, I mean, a second round pick for a cornerback, it's a tough proposition to to really sell me on. And if you do, I expect that this is a corner that um, that is a huge advantage over over other players that gets tons of tackle production. And honestly, if I'm spending a second round pick, he better be playing like strong safety. I mean, he's yeah. just eligible at corner. Um, Mike Hilton is a nickel corner that plays, you know, what, 60-some percent of the snaps. Yep. But you're talking about a guy that's basically relying on the big play. And, yeah, you know, I, like, I played against him this week, and Mike Hilton got zero points, which is kind of what you would expect to happen fairly often for a more or less cover corner. Um, yeah, and he yeah. did get hurt, but it was in the fourth quarter. So he played almost a full game yeah, and recorded no exactly. stats. Yep, I, I I definitely had that one ready in case you were going to bring up he got hurt in the game. Yeah, I was yeah. Say, yeah, it was like halfway through the fourth quarter, so it, it doesn't and it, count. And it was a team in Cleveland who was down big and had to throw the entire game, so there's no yeah. there's no really excuse. It's just this is what corners are. They're a high variance position where you can't really rely on just a player being consistent in any way. You know, part part of me wonders how much of this was the matchup with Cincinnati. Uh, because I know the bros were in kind of a desperation mode where like they, they needed to win. They needed mm-hmm. to beat me. They needed to win, you know, one of the next couple of games too, in order to stay alive for the season. Um, and seeing going up against a rookie quarterback that airs it out. Well, it was against, uh, it was against the Browns. Oh, I take it back. Yep. Uh, then, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't. Yeah. But moving on. <laughs> yep. um, the next trade, which was kind of writing a wrong in a lot of ways. And I'm, I completely undid it. Uh who is Hess sending uh, Hunter Henry to Price for a 2021 first-round pick, and that's Jimmy's pick, and a 2022 third-round pick. Um, I'm quite honestly shocked that he was able to – I think he improved his pick from the last time he traded him. So the, when he traded Hunter Henry originally, he just sent a 2023 first-round pick, and he ended up with a 2021 first-round pick. So good on him for actually improving his situation. Uh, yeah. I'm not sure how that happened too, because I think I talked to to George about it, and I think Hess's logic was backwards on what he was trying to sell him. Where I think Hess took on a contract as well, like a bad contract, as well as you know the first round pick that he had to give away. So I think that he was trying to tell George that he's worth more than a first because there was also a, a contract involved, but that contract was going in the wrong direction. So. Um, yeah, I'm definitely surprised that he was able to get her for what he did, but I think, I think you look at George's team, it's a team that has shockingly more life than he would have expected at this point. And I think he's ride or dying with the, uh, Justin Herbert train. So having a guy like Hunter Henry, that's connected to that, uh, it's at a, at a position of need. I think it makes sense for George. Uh, but even though it makes sense for him, I'm still surprised to see him kind of, um, go, uh, and kind of push the chips in a little bit this year, even though I think it was a good move. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, we'll probably get into this later. I, I have a few notes on Bryce's team that I want to bring up. Uh, but the next trade is between Thurston and Price. Price, uh, <laughs> in a an opposite move of what he just did, he sent Robbie Anderson to Thurston uh, for two second round picks and a third round pick. Um, 
I was involved with this negotiation as well. I was competing. Um, he ultimately went with another trade. I think this is uh, pretty good. This is a very good return for Price, who probably couldn't have even gotten a third round pick for Robbie Anderson in the offseason. Um, gets a really nice second round pick in Dom's second round pick in 2021. Uh, Thurston, I don't really know what he was trying to do with this trade. I think it should have been pretty clear that he's not competing this year. Next year, if you want to say that this is a next year trade, maybe maybe he's also looking to possibly flip Robbie Anderson. I, I don't. I just don't think there was a. I don't think he's got a, a a higher plateau that he can hit as a player. Yeah, I think I think lately I've been getting the impression with Thurston, and it's it's really it's really been this season of where I think that he looks at a player, and if he wants him. He'll get him for what he thinks he's worth, mm-hmm. regardless of it making sense for where he his team is at. Yeah, I, I don't think you're far off there. I think you're right. Yeah, like I don't see that kind of overall, you know, strategic move for trying to position yourself to make a run. I just I see a I see a guy that, that likes certain players and wants to field a good team. And if the value's there, it doesn't matter whether he should buy the car. If it's in his price range, he's gonna buy it. That's fair. And that's just a different philosophical approach. We all have different approaches, so I'm not going to fault him for it. Uh, As long as you're not drastically overpaying for guys, I don't see a a reason to criticize overly. Mm -hmm. Uh, Next trade is between Christian and Dom. Uh, Christian sent Ed Oliver and Keanu Neal to Dom for Grady Jarrett in a third round pick. Another uh, slight improvement kind of move where Grady Jarrett is a little bit better than Ed Oliver in terms of fantasy production. And he loses out on Keanu Neal, which I think he's kind of been disappointing anyway. Um, Dom's probably got to assume that Ed Oliver is going to improve in the next couple of years and will end up being better than Grady Jarrett. I don't necessarily disagree with that, um, but otherwise, this is a match trade. Not really. Yeah, um, you know, I'm, I'm not sure what the what the stats are on Grady Jarrett. I know he's he's rated highly in Madden, if that counts. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I, you know, he, you're also talking about a, a D tackle that is coming off of back to back games under two fantasy points. So yeah, it's not like a shoe in difference maker. Uh, but you are talking about D tackle, and those are no- notoriously difficult to get consistent production out of. So whatever. I mean, you're talking about a third round pick. I'm not going to shake anyone down for tossing over a third. Yep. Um, and then IDPs are just kind of you know is what it is. Unless you're getting a severe difference maker. Yep. Um... Next trade that probably makes sense to talk about is uh, you traded uh, for Ryan Fitzpatrick from Henry. Uh, you sent Kyle Allen, uh, Riley Ridley, and a third-round pick for Fitzpatrick. Um, I'm sure you were really hyped to get a guy who's in a super sweet matchup in a game you'd really like to win for hardly anything. Uh, not so psyched about the following news. but Yeah, yeah. Well, um I mean, yeah, I'm definitely not not so psyched about the following news, and and you know that that first half it looked nice, but still, like at the back of my mind, like yeah, you know Fitzpatrick had three three tighties in the first half, but like the Jets showed nothing, so there was there was no reason for for uh, the Dolphins to really have to you know keep keep pushing it in the second half. Um, so I'm not surprised that he fell flat in the second half after blowing up in the first, but yeah, still, I mean, you know. I looked at this week of do was I going to beat Christian? Probably not. Yeah, you had a an epic bye week. Uh, yeah. Unfortunately, you played one of the better teams in the league in that week. Yeah, 
I'm pretty sure, like, I think I was second in points in the week. You know, I, I, I think, yeah, I think my were. team still has a high floor. Um, but yeah, like, no Russell Wilson, no Metcalf, no Keenan Allen. And I was just like, you know what? There's a certain amount that I'm willing to pay for short-term production. And it's like a third round pick or a couple thirds. Like, that's it. Like, I was going after Matt Ryan, too, and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was just out of my price range for, for what I had. You know, it's... I just saw an opportunity to like, if I can increase the chances of like maybe by a 5% of keeping the bros out of the playoffs. Cause like, I don't, I don't want to have to face them in the playoffs. Like yeah. that's not a team that I'm looking forward to. Like I want, I want one of the other teams to, to scoot in, in a wild card or something. Um, so yeah, like if, if I could, if I could steal, steal a win early in the season to improve my playoff matchups, um, there was a certain amount that I'd pay to try to improve it. And unfortunately, every decision I made this week was wrong. So like, <laughs> I had every wrong sit start. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not going to go through them all. But um, if, 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 if there was a coin flip on game day where I was between two players at a position, mm-hmm. it would, there were like four different positions that I was thinking about making changes. And I made the wrong decision every single time. Um, yeah. And, and when you yeah. say you want to keep a team out of the playoffs, like, you shouldn't take that personally if somebody says like makes a joke about that. Like it should be the ultimate sign of respect that they don't want to face you. Like it'd, sure. be, it'd be one thing if I'm like, oh, I can't wait. I really want to push this team up to make the playoffs so I can face them in the first round. Like don't get butthurt if somebody's joking around on the board. Yeah, I mean, like I wasn't like starting like an underground network yeah. to like, hack their computer or anything. <laughs> <laughs> but like, yeah, I think if if, if you're in the American Conference. I don't think there, and it's it's weird saying this because like I'm I'm number one in points in the league, so like, you know, I, I definitely have a team that I don't think people want to face either. But I'm also in a position where you're looking at me and like, yeah, I'm realistically I'm going to make the playoffs. Yep. Realistically, there's a shot that the Bros won't. So yep. most of us will be in in an advantageous position if they were uh, eliminated from contention early. Absolutely. Uh, the next trade, uh, trying to get through the rest of these pretty quickly. Um, it was between Steve and Jimmy. Steve sent uh, a 2023 second round pick and a 2021 third round pick to Jimmy for AJ Green and Robert Tanyan. A little surprised that Steve's making some of these win now moves. I guess he saw that you know the the division's up for grabs, yeah. uh, so you got to improve your team where you can because his receiving core was a little paltry. Um, I don't mind this trade uh, considering what Jimmy was asking for for AJ Green even like three weeks ago um, to get him for a second and a third and, and Robert Tanyan. I think this makes sense for both sides. Yeah, I, I think looking at a deal like this, you know, I, I think anytime that you look at a team that is kind of reshaping their image, rebuilding, maybe they're in the, the latter stages of a rebuild, um, even if they're not quite there yet, as long as you're not giving away a first round pick, they're willing to make deals to improve their team, even yeah. if it's short term. Like uh, a a two and a three is inconsequential to a team that is you know working their way out of a rebuild that they spent you know a year or two or three on. Yep. Uh, so yeah, I think what's interesting on this on this deal is, is as soon as Robert Tanyan and AJ Green were packaged together, I think AJ Green absorbed uh, Robert Tanyan's uh, Space Jam juice. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, and kind of went off this week. It's it's weird because because Adrian Green's been getting tons of targets this year, and he hasn't capitalized on it. Some of them have been like, you know, touchdowns or first down conversions that were overturned. You know, like so yeah. where like you know he's made plays but not plays that have counted. Um, 
But so, yeah, maybe he's not as washed up as he looked during the season, but he's cer- certainly not AJ Ground, uh, AJ Green uh, of, of, of his prime, prime years. Yeah, he's probably at best the third option in the passing game there now behind uh, Higgins and Boyd. Um, and Mixon getting more time in the passing game as well as really depressed his value for and for good reason. Um, but there's not any reason he can't be at least like a wide receiver three going forward as long as he stays healthy. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think I think it's a it's a good deal for um, for Steve. I'm kind of surprised to see Jimmy do it, but I think this is just what we see Jimmy do, where Jimmy is trying to um, rebuild on the fly, and he probably looks at his conference and sees a, a cakewalk, especially in his division. Yeah, uh, the three other teams in his division have the three worst points total in the league, so um, Jimmy has has that luxury of being able to just, you know, basically reshape his team for long-term upside uh, as much as possible because he's already a shoe-in for the playoffs. Yeah, and he also just happened to get insanely fortuitous with his draft picks this year. So we'll we'll talk about that later, though. Uh, Next trade is Steve also traded for Emmanuel Sanders from Henry, and he gave up a second-round pick in 2022, a 2021 third-round pick, uh, and Adam Shaheen, which seems like a contract dump. Um, yeah. Again, it's basically the same thing we just talked about. Steve adding another veteran uh, to possibly just fill in for bye weeks or potentially fill in if an injury happens. Um, the next trade is between Hess and Jimmy. Hess sent a uh, Bud Dupree for a 2021 third round pick. Again, another small IDP trade. Bud Dupree is better than what you can get it on the uh, free agency market. Yeah, for the uh, most part. Yeah. So this is a, the last probably big trade we'll go over. Um, Hess sent Kenny Galladay to Jimmy for a 2021 first round pick, which is Planko's, a 2021 third round pick, and Keyshawn Vaughn, who is, I believe, the 10th pick in the last draft. Um, yeah. So this trade doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to me. Uh, I get that Henry or I get that Hess had to make some trades in order to get his contract situation in line. But given what he was asking for a couple weeks ago to what he accepted last week, um, I don't know. I'm a little puzzled by the return. I think he could have gotten more for Kenny Galladay. Yeah. I think what's interesting on this is as I've talked about, and cause, cause Hess, Hess hit me up that night and he asked me if I was interested in Kenny Galladay and you know, um, Am I interested in like do I do I want to get him? No, but only because I feel really good about my wide receiver core. Um, and I was pretty upset when this happened yeah. uh, because when Hess asked me, "Are you interested in Kenny Galladay?" I was upset that I had the wide receivers that I do because mm-hmm. I knew that Hess was primed to make a deal right now. Yeah, um, and you know, I, I'm just not interested in spending a first round pick to have a bench player for, you know, you know, like for depth or whatever, like that's the, as someone that I want to, I want to be able to use right now and have a plan to extend. So um, I think what, what's interesting here is that it doesn't sound like Hess really went to everyone. No. Gathered the best deal because I know he said that, you know, he had a couple guys on the block and he was gathering deals and his little spreadsheet or whatever. Um, but I don't feel like he did that when it came time to sell Galladay. Uh, yeah. like he pulled the trigger on the first offer that someone gave him that included a first round pick yeah and 
based on, so I hit him up a couple of weeks ago about his, the guys he had put on the block and I was like, who do you like for my team? And he said, Mixon. And I don't want, you know, he wanted a young running back in picks for any of his top receivers he was looking to trade. And that was just kind of yeah. like a, a full stop for me because I'm looking to, you know, improve my team and be competitive this year. I trade away Mixon. There's no chance of that. And I just told him that it didn't really fit in with my team. Uh, but I assumed he would come back to me if he was looking to make something for less and you never did. So, you know, you know what doesn't make sense to me when I hear people ask for a young running back. Yeah. Like what, what does that even mean? <laughs> you want a young running back? That's not relevant that like he got drafted in the third round and then Tampa did everything that they could to replace him with veterans. Mm-hmm. Like that's, it doesn't matter like how young you are. It matters how good you are. Like yeah. I want a good running back. That's the word that we should be asking for. Like, uh, you know, if, I remember when Kristen Michael was young and uh, I remember yep. Kalen Balaj is still young. Do you want him? No. Yeah. Whatever. I, yeah. I think it's pretty obvious that Vaughn is, is not the guy there at this point. And yeah. It, it, it feels like Vaughn is still being viewed as a first-round pick because he was taken in the first round this last year. And yep. Kishon Vaughn, as a standalone dynasty asset right now, is not worth a first-round pick. And no. He got packaged like he was. Yep, um, and I think that's exactly what happened. And uh, yeah, I think we've uh, beat that horse enough. Um, I think that's about all the trades that are relevant that we should talk about. Um to kind of move on to the next topic here. Uh, Nick came up with an idea for a segment. Uh, I'll let you talk about it. Yeah. So basically uh, this is like the mid season awards segment. So what we're doing is we came up with these categories, right? And uh, we are going to be taking turns uh, nominating the, the, uh, the potential winners for each category. And then the other person is going to make the selection. So I'm going to come up with the first category give uh give broadbent the options to choose from then he's got to pick one from that list and then um and then he does the same for me for for a different category so we're going to go back and forth we've got uh, a few of these to go over um certainly a handful so might as well get started so so i'm sorry we said let's do it let's do it so yeah we're 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 at the mid-season point so great time to stop and and take take inventory of where we are and where we think we're going to be rest of the season so um, looking where we are right now and what we know about the players, where they stand right now, uh, who is the worst contract in the elite? Mm-hmm. And what I've done is I've gone through each team. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to nominate uh, every notable player that I, that I, that I found in my, in my search. So I'm, I'm going to bring them up and then we'll get your thoughts on it. Let's do it. First, Josh Rosen on a three-year, di- three-year deal for Jimmy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Royce Freeman on a three for Olsen. Okay. Dante Pettis on a three for Ferrari. Okay. Brandon Powell on a three for George. Okay. Hakeem Butler on a four for Jake. Okay. Gary Jennings on a four for Gage. Uh, This gets fun here. Uh, Trey Quinn on a four for Gage. (laughs) Yeah, his his bench is just like... Williams on a three for Gage. Darius Geis on a three for Gage. It, I mean, that's such a it, it's it's amazing how uh, competitive that team's been because it's it is 
held together only by its starters. There is so much slop on that bench. I think I counted at one point, and I think he had like eleven contracts that are like that would be deemed as like a contract dumps. Yeah, negative contract. Yeah. Dump, yeah, hilarious. Uh, but it's crazy that that they're still able to kind of limp along right now. Yep. Um, next up, we got JJ Arthur Whiteside on a four-year deal for for Planko. Okay. Uh, Bobby Foster, Robert Foster on a three for you. Yep. Um, who just signed today, I think, with Washington. Um, nice. Uh, Ido Smith on a three for uh, Dom and Missisca. Okay. Kiki Cootie on a three for Linton. Okay. What's that? Uh, nothing. Good. Sorry. Justice Hill on a four for Hess. Okay. Didi Westbrook on a four for Thurston. Okay. And Dwayne Haskins on a four for Jack. So... I so we we exchanged the topics for this beforehand, and do I you have one that's not on the list. I do have one that's on the list. No, who is it? So I have. I have it's got to be a five-year deal for a rookie that sucks. I have a, I have three areas of criteria that this is decisions being made on. Uh, I look at how tradable this player is. Mm-hmm. I look at uh, how much that contract actively harms the team he's on, mm-hmm. and the length of the deal. And through that rubric, I think the worst. Oh, I know. I know what you're going to do. Yeah, the worst contract in the league is Jordan Love. Jordan Love. I knew you would say that. Five year deal. You look at what's happened with Dom's team this year, given quarterbacks getting benched and hurt. Like they literally don't have the ability to to, to start a starting quarterback right now. Jordan Love. Anytime a quarterback doesn't have a clear path to playing time and they're drafted in the first round, I want nothing to do with them. Uh, and I, I mean, a good example of this, even though he wasn't in the first round, was somebody like uh, Jimmy Garoppolo when he was on the Patriots. Like it took him like four years to become a starting quarterback, and meanwhile he's just literally toying away on your bench, has no value, he eats up a roster spot, and you're only allowed to have three quarterbacks on your team. And so if a guy gets hurt or this bye week, like you're screwed. And so that's why he's my worst contract in the league. So I agree with the thought process, but for me, I would apply that same thought process to Dwayne Haskins instead, because with at least love, you can. There is that theoretical upside. You may be able to get that Jimmy Garoppolo deal that, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo was sold for positive value in, in our league at one point. Yeah. Um, so there's still that upside. Dwayne Haskins has had a shot and blown it so far, mm-hmm. and it's only one year less. And, you know, when you're talking about hamstringing, you know, you can only have three quarterbacks on a roster. So quarterbacks have a higher likelihood of hamstringing a roster than any other position. Yep. Uh, I just so. don't see any realistic shot for playing time for Jordan Love unless Aaron Rodgers gets hurt. And he was apparently terrible in camp. Um, so I just, I don't know. I, I don't want to have a guy on my bench for several years and only allow me to have two other quarterbacks for the potential that he might play in like 2023, 2024. And, and Rodgers, I think we should play, so. <laughs> we should play a game called Guess Who Owns Aaron Rodgers in our, in our fantasy league. <laughs> Listen, uh, this isn't that game, but he's been he's been a borderline MVP candidate this year until yeah, yeah, he's awesome. Yep. So. yep. All right. So that that was that was mine. So yeah. So hold on, but yeah, you have to pick one from my list. So who, so who do you pick from from the list, regardless of, of of who you had off the list? Uh, so on your list, I would say Josh Rosen because there's just no chance he's ever starting again, and you're just stuck with him. Like this, li- like literally, he's you either cut him and take the hit. Or you have an albatross on your on your roster for two more years. There's nothing you can do. At least with Dwayne Haskins, 
there is the ability for him to play again. Like he got such a he gets traded traded to like, you know, the Steelers or something like that. Like he can get his value rehabbed, but Rosen's done. He's cooked. Um, There you go. So my first topic for you is uh, the stud most likely to hit in free agency. And to kind of give a backstory, uh, most time when we have like stud free agents hit, in our league, it's because there was guys who got franchised and the franchise tag this year, uh, there's not really any good players. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to have five guys I'm going to throw at you because there's not really much to work with. Uh, okay. So the first is Chandler Jones. Mm-hmm. The second is Alan Lazard, Ryan Tannehill, Landon Collins, or Jesse Bates. It's yeah. true. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean this this is tough. Um I feel like I feel like it's gonna be someone not on the on the list, but not not that I have available. Mm-hmm. And basically the thought process is I think what you're gonna see is a team that is competitive, that's trying to win right now, mm-hmm. that is willing to push the chips in a little bit to get a guy who's on a one year deal, even though they already have their resign and franchise already spoken for. Uh-huh. So a guy's going to hit that way based based upon kind of some movement happening between now and the deadline. Um, but I think, you know, I think of that list, um, I feel like Tannehill is probably the most likely. I agree. Um, and I think it, it wouldn't surprise me if, if Tannehill goes for, for Max Cat, um, particularly because there is there is a legitimate case being made right now that Ryan Tannehill is an MVP candidate. Um, yeah. I wouldn't be the one making that case. Obviously, I mean, I own Russell Wilson, so I'm a little little vested in that, I guess. Um, but yeah, I think that's 100% it. Um, the, the other one would be Alan Lazard, but I don't view him as a stud. I view him as just a guy that's producing because Aaron Rodgers' receivers produce. So, yeah. you know, whoever the number two is in any time is going to get you know, something like 60 some yards a game. And then, you know, a couple tutties sprinkled in here and there. Yep. Um, but yeah, I think, I think that's Tannehill. That, that'd, be, that'd be my choice. I'd agree with that. Um, it's just, the list is very bad. Uh, I, I, I don't see, I, I can't say with like much confidence that there'll be a full cap guy this year. Um, it was pretty obvious in the past when there would be like, when you had like a Robert Woods or an Adam Thielen or an Austin Eckler, or Chris Carson, or JJ Watt, you knew it was going to make free agency. Like you knew somebody was going to spend, but there's just nobody that's like, yep, here's the guy. Yeah. I mean, the only way that you could think is that if something happens in T.Y. Hilton kind of um, come, come, like sparks back in the second half of the season, um, I don't expect that to happen. Um, but yeah. you know, it, it would have to be, it'd have to be someone that is sucking ass right now and blows up in the second half is really kind of the way it works. Also, before we move on, one thing that I think is worth mentioning when we were doing our worst contracts, mm-hmm. I think one thing that's, that's, that needs to be considered there is, um, is a player de- on a team and declared game day inactive? Because that is a rarely tapped feature of our league. And that if a player is declared inactive by the team, you can move them to your IR for that week. So like, you know, it doesn't hamstring you the same way that a guy that doesn't have a job does. Cause like free agents, you can't do that. 
But like if, if a guy is like on the fringe of a roster and is declared out for the game, regardless of it being an injury or just because he sucks, like you can move him to your IR and pick up, you know, a backup running back or a backup tight end and, you know, hope for an injury or whatever. Like you can be more creative and you can squeeze more out of your roster for those types of guys. And that kind of, I think, should go into the that process. Yeah. Although it does so say, you know, Rosen, he's inactive because he's on the practice squad. Let's say he, you know, he isn't inactive all week, though. So you can't put him on the IR and pick up a replacement. Yep. It, it, it would be, you know, uh, very selectively for certain days. I know because like Riley Ridley, I would just check the check the Twitter reports every every week for, for when he was declared out. And it's like, oh, scoop him down to my bench and then pick up Robert Tanyan and then cut him before uh, before he <laughs> I could sell him for a bunch of picks. Yeah. Yep. Um, all right. Uh, are we, are we good for the next one? Yeah, let's go. Okay. Uh, player most likely to bust out in the second half of the season. Okay. Uh, your nominees for this category are Dallas Goddard by Jimmy. Okay. Deshaun Jackson by Henry. For this one, I did one player per team. Okay. Everyone's got a candidate. Uh, Philip Lindsay by Olsen. Okay. That one's got a little Melvin Gordon vibes, DUI stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, Chase Edmond by me. Okay. Uh, Chase Edmond, sorry. Uh, AJ Green for Steve. Okay. A little bounce back. Zach Moss for George. Okay. Jarek McKinnon for Jake. Okay. Le'Veon Bell for Gage. You can say okay. Yeah. That's the only one you can say okay for. <laughs> yes. I, I take it you're not going to vote for that one. Um, Driver Slanger for Planko. Okay. Rob Gronkowski for Broadbent. Okay. A lot of these are guys that have had value that have a decent shot to uh, rebound for whatever reason for a second half. Okay. Uh, Mike Kosicki for Dom and Masiska. Okay. Tua Tonga-Valoa for uh, Linton. Okay. Evan Ingram for Hess. Okay. Herb Smith Jr. for Thurston. Okay. J.K. Dobbins for Jack. Okay. And it's this is a weird one to have on a list, but Juju Smith-Schuster for the bros. <laughs> All right. Um, so th- these are basically guys that could have a much better second half of the season than they had the first. So it had they had to have some baseline level of underperformance or haven't earned a role yet in the first half of the season. Hmm. So I think from your list, I like Philip Lindsay just because he's proven that he can produce in the past. Uh, he's going to have more of an opportunity in the future. But the guy I specifically think has the biggest chance to bust out in the second half is Marquise Brown, who is currently 18th in the NFL in receiving yards, but third in the NFL in air yards. And air yards are just the hypothetical yards. If every pass to you that was thrown, both complete and incomplete, was caught. So yeah. he's getting a huge opportunity. The off week or the bye week for the Ravens is this week. And I think they can get their guys healthy, get their offense more in line of what they're trying to do. I could see him having a huge second half. So for me, the reason why I didn't include him on the list was because I thought he was already too productive already. Um, I think he was averaging about 10 fantasy points a game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you thought you said he was a wide receiver 18. So it's like... Well, he was 18th in receiving yards. He only oh, has sorry. one touchdown. I believe he's not even in the top 20 in, rec- in uh, our rec- receiver ranks. 
Okay. Well, then that would be a decent a decent option too. I, I'm also really high on, on Marquise Brown. I wasn't expecting to be, mm-hmm. uh, but he's really shown me a lot this year, especially the way they've used him. Um, yep. But yeah, for me, the way I looked at it, it's he didn't suck enough in the first half for me to, to throw him on the list. Yeah, I mean, he's the wide receiver 33 in our league. Yep. So if you were to tell me he ended up in the second half as the wide receiver three, that wouldn't shock me at all. Oh. Um, but... Uh, yeah, so Philip Lindsay would be my answer from your your list. Beautiful. Uh, the next topic is the most overachieving team in the league thus far. Mm. And I'm going to have four options for you. Okay. My first option is Jimmy. Mm. Second option is Price. Third option is Steve. Fourth option is Gage. I I approached this from the team that at the start of the season, your expectations were at one point and now that they're much higher for you now. Well, I mean, if we're talking about a team that, well, yeah. So it's, it's just, it's tricky under that lens. I mean, you don't have to follow the same lens. That's kind of where I nominated teams from. Well, this is a short one. So I'm going to give it, uh, I'm going to give you two answers. Okay. Okay, a team that I think is performing better than they actually are uh-huh. is Gage. I think it's Point Breeze Football Club. Okay, um, you know th- that's that's a team that is super thin. They don't have any guys that I'm really buying in on, except for you know George Kittle, um, and it's just they're they're strapped for trash everywhere down down their bench. Yep. Um, and this is a team that you know might wind up running away with the division. Um, a team that I actually didn't expect to be good, but I think actually is good. I George, like I'm actually buy, I'm drinking the Kool Aid on George's <laughs> team. I think that his players are are like it's it, it's all young players, but I think that they are more or less legitimately as good as they're playing. Maybe Claypool's production isn't sustainable, but um, yeah, I I think that that that's a team that is that is way better than I thought it would have been, but I don't think it's fake. That that's my answer. Uh, I think it's more fake than you do. So he's got he's the fourth high or he's got the fourth lowest points in the entire league, and he's mm-hmm. four and two. He's got the uh the second. Or the third fewest points scored against him in the entire league. Like he's averaging like 100, or yeah, 135 points a week. I think he's had a ton of good luck. I think the best way to really judge how good a team is is how many points they score. Yeah. Um, and ultimately, if you basically swapped out like Christian and Thurston or Christian and, and Price in those standings, it would look pretty pretty much on par of where it should be. Um, I think he is going to be better than his standing or his point scored per week says because he's now finally starting Claypool. And I think Claypool is a shot in the arm his team didn't have. But mm-hmm. I think he's also got a very easy schedule coming up. Like his schedule is just breaking so kindly to him. His next four, his next five opponents have a combined record of 10 and 20. Uh, it's just kind of ridiculous how lucky he's getting in general. And I think that luck will run out at some point. Yeah, well, I think the thing that's interesting about George's team is that he he's discovering it as it's happening. Yeah. So, you know, he's being successful. And maybe he's being successful with players that are on his bench 
you know, that, that are earning roles, but, uh, and now you kind of alluded to like, these guys are earning actual playing time for him. Um, but I look at his wide receivers. I feel really good about it. I feel good about the wide receivers he's got out there. I feel good about the young guys he's got in, uh, like in depth. Um, he, I like some of the trades that he's made. I thought they've been legit. Um, I, I like Herbert a lot. I think that's a legit franchise quarterback there. Uh, really, you know, running back is going to be a problem for him, but he'll probably be good enough to be, be in the mix for, for that wild card spot. Uh, yeah, he's going to make the playoffs in our, in our, our conference just based on his schedule. And he's two games ahead in a playoff spot right now. And probably like two and more like two and a half based on tiebreakers. So he's going to make the playoffs, but he's like the team everybody wants to play in the playoffs because yeah, sure. I mean, it's not a slight against him. He's just clearly the the fourth banana in in the national. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see how things play out the rest of the season because uh, between Andrew, myself, and Jimmy, we're all jockeying for that one seed, and I think we'd all see the value in getting that one seed. So that was the overachieving team, right? Yep. Uh, it's time to nominate the underachieving team of the year so far. Um, so first nominee is two giant losses. Yep, they are sitting at two and four. They are second in the league in points, so they're it's not for for lack of production, um, but they are in seventh place out of eight in the conference. Yep. Uh, the next nominee is spit on Jitney's Mike Planko. Uh, he's three and three. He's uh, sixth in in points in the league, so respectable. Um, but uh, third place in his division. Um, yep. I think if this season were to end right now, he would make the playoffs um, in a wild card spot. But this is a team that, when you look at on paper and you look at some of the guys he's had, they've had nice seasons. So um, it's it's difficult to see why he's struggling so much. And uh, the third and final nominee is the Degenerates. That's Dom Cochetti and uh, Matt Matiska. They are 1-5, 15th in points, 7th in the conference. Uh, they're on the list not necessarily because they're an outstanding team, but they have three really, really, really good wide receivers, and normally that's enough to uh, buoy a team to some baseline level of competency, but it hasn't for them. Yeah, yeah. Um... I think the low-hanging fruit would obviously be Christian, but I, I don't see his team as underperforming, like you said. They just are underachieving. They just have had terrible luck. They're yep. still putting up points, and they probably will end up making the playoffs, uh, but they do have a few really tough matchups coming up. So they need to take care of business in the next three weeks because uh, I think they play... Uh, they played you last week, and I think they play a combination of uh, Andrew... Yeah, they play Linton and Steve, I and, think. Yeah, Andrew... Uh, Planko and I think Jimmy over the next three, okay. four weeks, That's three tough. weeks. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's a tough schedule, but then it really gets a lot easier after that. So if they can, if they can get through this stretch with a winning record, go two and one over the next three weeks, they'll make the playoffs going, going away. Um, just because their division's terrible. I mean, they have, I mean, it's not terrible, terrible. It's not as bad as the national West, but they should be, they're kind of playing down to their opponents in a fantasy sense uh, mm-hmm. each week. So if I had to actually choose an underachieving team, it'd be Dom's based on their roster. Uh, they should be better. Uh, you, 
they ca- I think I, I texted you this earlier this year. They, they at one point had like three of the top six receivers. Yeah. It's like, if I was to tell you a team has three of the top six receivers after four weeks, what do you think their record would be? And I think you knew it was Dom, but you set like 0 and 4 because they were 0 and 4 at the time or something like that. Yeah. I mean, I knew it was Dom because I, th- I think I might have just played Dom or I was just talking to him and, you know, I was looking at his team. So as soon as you brought it up, I knew who you would talk to because it just makes sense for that to be why you would bring it up. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, and I think we're just both on, on the same same level there. Um, just because there there is, there is a baseline level of competency with that wide receiver core and even having Gasicki, who's... Yeah, he was doing really well at the beginning of the year. So. Yeah, and he really cooled off. Yep. Um, so yeah, I, I kind of expected Dom and Masiska to kind of flirt with the playoff spot, so... A little surprising to see them at, at one and five right now. Yeah, and it's not like they're getting like crazy scores against them. I mean, they've got the the seventh fewest points scored against them. Um, I think ultimately, what's screwing them over is quarterback. Like they don't have a quarterback to play. Uh, Trubisky got benched. Donald got hurt, and their third quarterback is Jordan Love. And so I think if they had league average quarterback play each week, they'd probably be closer to three and three than one and five. Yeah, I think that's that's really it. Um, the next topic we wanted to cover was the worst player with the most fantasy value. Oh. So I've got five nominations here. I didn't go through every team. So my five nominations are Todd Gurley, <laughs> uh. Juju Smith-Schuster. Oh, yeah, you hate Juju. Kenyon Drake. Okay. David Montgomery, yeah, and Jonathan Taylor. It's kind Ooh. of a spicy mix. What's that? It's kind of a spicy mix. It is spicy. This is people are going to be upset about this one. Um, I, don't, I don't care. I've been I've been talking about this today with Steve. Actually, I don't know if this is my answer, but Jonathan Taylor has been such a disappointment this year. Yeah, which is surprising because. You know, he had such an athletic profile. I wasn't even that big on him, but I thought that he's a guy that in the right offense with the right blocking, he could do tons of damage. Yeah. And what you've seen is he's absorbed Marlon Mack's carries and has been indistinguishable from Marlon Mack for the past two seasons. Uh, he's giving you average replacement level running back production. I think he, w- he was graded um, in the bottom 10 in forced missed tackles per per carry mm-hmm. and uh and yards after after contact like average yards after contact so basically he's not eluding defenders and he's not gaining tough yardage that's really what that's telling me so normally you would you would want a guy to do one of of the two things at least yep um so yeah that i mean that's that's pretty tough um could, could you repeat the list again too because that, that was sure. one that really Really stood out to me. Um, what, what else? Yeah. So the list is Todd Gurley, Juju Smith-Schuster, Kenyon Drake, David Montgomery, and Jonathan Taylor. Yeah. All right. It's definitely not Juju. I think Juju is actually a good player. Um, Jonathan Taylor's close, and not. I, I still think that he could be could develop to be like because. He's too early in his career to say this is exactly who this guy is. He can improve on third down, you know, like he can he can gain a larger role like that. 
Yeah, these, um, are, these aren't like all philosophically from, coming from the same angles either. Some of yeah. them is like they have good value right now, but they're washed. Others are, they're kind of riding the coattails of past value. Others, it's this hypothetical ceiling they have. Yeah, uh, David Montgomery is tough because I, I could play the other angle on him too, of that I think he's, he's in a great situation in terms of percentage of snaps that he gets, right? Mm-hmm. But playing in that Chicago offense, like is that a good situation? Like I, I think he's better than he's 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 given credit for, because I think that he's like a guy that like, I think that if he was in Kansas City, his production would be almost entirely identical to Clyde edwards helaire Like I, you so think he's like, been better this year than he was last year. He's been better. No, I think he's been, uh, possibly even worse. Because uh, the the offense has kind of sputtered a bit. Like he's he's getting more touchdowns. Like. He's he's I feel like he's getting more, oh, he's uh, getting more touchdowns to clear. On, on on a per game basis. So he's got two touchdowns this year in six games, and he had uh, seven last year in sixteen games. So he's roughly the same output. Is that including receiving touchdowns? Yes. Okay. Well, um, then yeah, uh, disappointing. Um, but he's also a guy that like I, th- I know I mentioned it before. He's very similar to Devin Singletary in that. It's kind of like a slower, slower-footed guy that is all making miss and wiggle. So you kind of need to have space for him to work with. Mm-hmm. Like you know, Le'Veon Bell is kind of like that too, but he offers a little bit more of an athletic profile, and he's certainly a a, a um a, a bigger back. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I, you know, I'm, I'm not going to say Montgomery because I think that if Montgomery was in a better situation, I think he'd be productive. It's 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 got to be either Jonathan Taylor or Kenyon Drake mm-hmm. because Kenyon Drake is in an outstanding situation um, and he really struggled every week until this week. So even yeah. though it's and it was really just that one run, like he had a yeah. sixty-nine yard touchdown run, but prior to that he had been he gotten like nineteen carries for ninety-five yards and no catches. Yeah, like he basically had the game like that run that Melvin Gordon had where Melvin Gordon wasn't having a good game. And it was what it was against the jets, I think, or, or whatever. I, I forget who they're Something playing, like but he put the game away in the fourth quarter on like a third or fourth down carry. And it was like a 60 some year touchdown. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's between Kenyon Drake and Jonathan Taylor. Um, I still need to see more about Jonathan Taylor. He's been severely underwhelming so far, but, I think I know what Kenyon Drake is, and I'd say that is the the this, worst player in the best fantasy. Yeah, the, the second best running back on his team. Yeah, yep. <laughs> can I? I you know, like, I don't want to say that because I have Chase Edmonds, so it's going to sound disingenuous or no, like unbiased. I, you know, I've been saying that all year. Yeah, I, I've I've let you say it to me. I, yeah. I haven't brought any of that to the table because uh, no no one wants to hear you talking up your dudes like that. <laughs> yeah. So when we first uh, proposed this idea to each other, it was kind of like. We, I, I took it a different way than you intended it. Um, can I make my quick case for Juju since you alluded to me hating him? Sure. All right. So he's currently the 34th ranked overall dynasty player, according to Fantasy Pros uh, consensus on their website. Uh, last year, he was the third best receiver, although he played 12 games on the roster. He's averaged over the last two seasons. This is over 17 games. Uh four catches for 44 yards and a third of a touchdown in 17 games. He said zero double digit target games in the last two seasons. 
he's only had one game where he broke 50 yards over the last 10 games. And he's clearly not the number one there again this year. So I just don't see why to rank, rank him that high when his future is uncertain in terms of what team he's going to play for. And he really hasn't shown anything since 2018. Yeah, but he, he showed it at such an early age that I'm willing to give him time for a rebound. Like, I remember when I traded Hakeem for Keenan Nick. Allen. <laughs> Hakeem Nix. Yeah, I mean, I also like Hakeem Nix more than, more than you do. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a, a bunch of reasons for why his career fell off. But, you know, I, I would see a receiver in the draft that I would like, and I'd say, oh, he reminds me of Hakeem Nix. And I mean it as a compliment. Like, yeah. um, so I, I I think Juju's got got some some quality years ahead of him. I think he's going to bounce back. I think they're probably not going to resign him, so he's going to go somewhere else. Um, yeah, which is why, like you know, he could end up in a great situation, or he could yeah. end up in an even worse situation. Yeah, I mean, what, what is he 20, 23 years old or twenty four years old or something like that? Like he's I think still he's about stupid. Twenty four in like a month. Um, I'm I'm not willing to to throw throw in the towel on him just yet. I think he's got severe bounce back quality and i'm not Um, either i just don't get how he's still so highly valued in the dynasty community i think he's he hasn't taken the the tick down tick that he deserves given yeah he's definitely uh, he's he's not he's not the asset that he was two years ago that's for sure all right right. um so that was uh did you nominate that one i did nominate that one yep uh the next one the next category is the biggest rookie steal now, this is looking back at our 2020 NFL draft. I think this, is, even without you announcing, this, it's a two-horse race. It is a two-horse race, but there are players that are, at the very least, worth mentioning. Okay. So I'm going to do it anyway. Uh, the first candidate, and this is just going from the picks, the lowest picks to the highest picks. Okay. Uh, so the first candidate is Justin Jefferson, selected ninth overall by Jimmy. Okay. Uh, next up, we've got Brandon Ayuk, 15th overall by Jack. Okay. We got LaVisca Chenault, uh, 17th overall by Jack. Okay. Oh, that, was, uh, that wasn't Jack. That was Price. Oh, sorry, George. Yep. Yeah, damn. Uh, yeah, George George gets a nice little stretch here. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, so we've got Justin Herbert, 22nd overall by George. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chase Claypool, 24th overall by George. Yeah, that's late. Uh, our first and only IDP on the list, Patrick Queen, 26th overall by Planko. Mm-hmm. And Antonio Gibson, 27th overall by Jack. So just given how many you just named there and how many are just already studs, like this was a, an outstanding draft class, first and foremost. There was very few guys that uh, you could have taken and missed on. That being said... Um, it's clearly a two-horse race for me between Justin Jefferson and Chase Claypool. Justin Jefferson's just been a complete stud, and there was a lot of questions about him leading up to the draft. Uh, I wasn't incredibly high on Justin Jefferson. I kind of was feeling the Jordan uh, Matthews vibes from him. He's yeah, definitely same here. better than I thought he'd be. He is making uh, the the bills kind of look bad for even making that trade in hindsight, even though they're doing outstanding, just given what they could have gotten. Uh, I think both teams ultimately are happy with the way it worked out though. And then Chase Claypool, I don't think anybody saw this happening, even though every fucking time the Steelers draft a wide receiver, he turns out to be really good. 
So it's uh, the Steelers and Packers. If they spend a second or third round pick on a wide receiver, they wind up being very good. Yeah. So I think given the magnitude of the steal for Claypool, I'm going to have to go with Claypool, but it's not an easy choice. I think Jefferson's probably better, but Claypool is a hair underneath and you got him around a full round later. Yeah, you get him with a, with a mid-second round pick. Uh, so you're not expecting to get anything there, really. You're just taking a stab. So I would agree. Uh, I'd agree with a lot of what you said, especially the Jordy Matthews angle. I've, I've often compared Justin Jefferson to it. The thing that's interesting about that is Jordy Matthews hit the ground running in the NFL. Yeah. Um, and he basically had 900 yards a season for the first three years. Um, so I, it wasn't that I thought that Jefferson would struggle out the gate but I didn't expect him to be as good as he has been. Um, yeah, so insane. There's definitely time for him to cool off. You know, you never know, but um, certainly impressed uh, with Jefferson at ninth overall. He's playing at a level that you'd expect a top two pick to, to be playing at. Um, and it's got to be Chase Claypool. I mean, it really, it really is um, 24th overall pick. And I know we, we compared this class to the, was it the 2014 class? Yeah. Historic wide receiver class, and I think we said like you know there's going to be a wide receiver taken in the early 20s that is going to be outstanding, just like Allen Robinson was. You know, like it's the sheer depth of quality of wide receiver talent. It's going to push a player down. It's going to be a, a steal, and it certainly looks like it's Chase Claypool, absolutely. Yep. And and you know going back before what we're talking about with with uh, with Juju, you know. With the way that Claypool's playing and the way that Juju is, like suddenly there's not much of a threat of Juju being being around next year, and and that that crowded wide receiver core is is quickly um, starting to reshape itself, favoring a guy like Claypool moving forward as early as next year. You know, yep. Um, so, so there is a path to being the bona fide top dog in that offense, but you have to wonder how much of that will coincide with Ben Roethlisberger's regression or if they have to replace him with another quarterback too. But that's a whole whole different uh, other conversation. Yep, that's true. And that's ultimately going to be one of the bigger question marks of the offseason is how they approach that because they have a ton of different directions they can go with that in terms of trades and draft picks and free agents and stuff. But uh, the, the next topic I have here is the most disappointing rookie. And mm. I have five choices here for you. And I'm going to go from highest to lowest pick. So the second overall pick, Jerry Judy. The fourth overall pick, Jonathan Taylor. The sixth overall pick, J.K. Dobbins. Or the seventh overall pick, Jalen Rager. Mm. Oh, wait, there's one more. There's one more. The eighth overall pick, Cam Akers. That's the five. Yeah. Um yeah, some of those I'm not even sure why they're on the list. Jerry Judy's been outstanding. Um, I, I think he's on pace for like not 900 really. yards. Like compared to yeah. some of his classmates, though, if you look at Ceedee Lamb, if you look at Clay, Chase Claypool, if you look at Justin Jefferson, yeah. you look at T. Higgins. Like they've all been better than him. I don't. I don't agree. I don't think that Lamb's been better than him. I think that Lamb has just been matched up against linebackers every, every game. What's up? So, we're talking about like fantasy like typically like i mean we don't really care how good a guy is we're looking at how they produce and cd yeah. like wide receiver one this year and so as justin jefferson t higgins has rounded into one as well and 
you just you have to be disappointed with looking at those guys and seeing what you have in Jerry Judy, who can't even beat out a guy like Tim Patrick as the number one receiver there. Yeah, I just, uh, yeah, I'm just I'm not 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 buying that sell. I've been very impressed with, with Judy this year. I've also, you know, I, I've I've been a Judy guy for a while, so it was going to take take a lot for, to shake me off that. Mm-hmm. Um, with Rager, who I selected, I haven't seen enough of them to be disappointed. I'm disappointed in the injuries for sure. Yep. Um, but for me, I'm taking this as guys that I've actually seen a little bit of what they're doing and I've been disappointed the way they played. Mm-hmm. Um, I would have expected JK Dobbins to have shown more in the opportunities he was given. Um, I thought he looked really good early in the season. And then, you know, I think at the very least you thought that he would be the number two running back at this point. I mean, that's more and, mismanagement than on him, though. I mean, he's got 25 carries in the year. He's averaging over six yards a carry. Not- yeah, but I'm, I'm, not sure, I'm not sure why he hasn't earned a bigger role in the offense um, is really what it comes down to. Because I, I, I don't know why Gus Edwards is, is playing ahead of him. Um, so that surprises me. Um, Cam Akers is very surprising because... You know, I, I was pretty low on Darrell Henderson. I, I, th- I thought it was a guy that, that showed very, very little vision. Um, and I thought that if anyone was going to run away with the job in St. Louis as, you know, a bell cow back, I thought it was going to be Cam Akers. And I know he did miss a little bit of time with injury, but I'm surprised at how much better Darrell Henderson has looked than, than Cam Akers over there. Yeah. Um, that being said, uh, that was just giving everyone their their kind of due uh, due time in the sun. I think I, I did mention before Jonathan Taylor. Um, not that you know, if 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 I were to tell you when he was drafted that this is the production that you're getting this season, you'd be you'd be thrilled because you're still probably thinking that oh well, Marlon Mack's probably healthy right now, so he's probably splitting time, mm-hmm. and he's a high end RB two. You know, like that's great. Um, but knowing what we know about you know, like he just hasn't, he hasn't been remarkable and, yeah. and for where he was drafted, you know, not, not necessarily in our league, but at least in the consensus of dynasty leagues, like, you know, he was going like second overall and first overall in some leagues, yeah. which, uh, I, I thought it was a little, a little crazy, but you you still, he should be more of an asset than he's been to the team right now. He's been just a guy back there. Uh, so that, that's my pick, Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, can't really argue against it. I mean, he's, he's not bad. I mean, all these are yeah. like relative disappointments. Like there's nobody who is a clear bomb in my eyes, except nah, probably not, just one guy or not even one guy. This just These are all guys who you look at their classmates yeah. and you see this. Uh, possibly. But you look at their <laughs> look at their classmates and you see their success, and you just kind of kick yourself for going a different direction, knowing what these guys around them seemingly already proven themselves to be. Um, that's kind of where I came up with it. Um, so I'd agree that Taylor hasn't produced as much as everybody expected, given the opportunity, um, especially like right after Max injury. I mean, people were, and myself included, were like, "This guy's like top five to eight running back the rest of the year." Would completely agree with you, based uh, purely on the athletic profile and the quality of the offensive line. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, completely agree. What do you got next? So this is my final category. Uh, would this would this finish us out? Yep, it would. 
right. So to uh, to close down the podcast, um, which player's injury has impacted a fantasy team the most? So the most impactful fantasy injury. Okay. Our nominees are Jay, uh, Jimmy being impacted by Dak Prescott. Yep. Now, this is weird because Jimmy doesn't own Dak Prescott, but he owns every mini corporation under the Dak Prescott umbrella. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's Ezekiel Elliott, CeeDee Lamb. Uh, was it Dalton Schultz, yep. the tight end? Basically, Jimmy's got a wide receiver, running back, and currently his starting tight end are all tied to the engine uh, that is the Dak Prescott offense, and uh-huh. and it's the little engine that could driving it right now. Yeah, we we we've we've only seen one week without him, and it hasn't looked very good. Nope. Um, too early to make uh, a definite decision on what it's going to look like the rest of the season, but certainly um, that's been very impactful to for Jimmy in a negative sense. Yes. Uh, the next uh, candidate if, is for uh, Jeff Olson. Uh, Nick Chubb's injury. Yeah. That's that's kind of an easy one to throw on the list. And I think this list is one player for each team uh, for the most part. So we're going to keep okay. going through. Uh, for myself, Zach Ertz. Um, I'd be surprised if this one is chosen because there's not much difference between Zach Ertz injured and Zach Ertz healthy this year. Or just uh, he's like an empty tight end spot in your roster. Dude, man, he's so <laughs> bad. Um. Yeah, it's it, he's been off for this year. Uh, for Steve Miles Sanders is currently shelved. Okay. Uh, George uh, has lost Mark Ingram for a little bit. I believe it's a mi- mild, medium, high ankle sprain or something like that. Okay. Uh, Jake lost Christian McCaffrey. Yeah. Um, Gage hasn't been impacted by much, but he did lose Cam Newton for a spell. Uh, and particularly, he had no one behind him to uh, to replace. Um, yeah, which is shocking to have a, a roster that literally doesn't have a backup quarterback. Yeah, um, I I think it's purely they're just playing playing for long term because mm-hmm. uh, it's it's hard to fit a backup quarterback on a roster that's got uh, you know twenty contract dumps on it. Oh God! Uh, next up, we've got Planko. With Raheem Mostert, mm-hmm. who was crushing it, uh, and then was out for what three three games, I think, and then now is going to be shelled for, uh, for 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 another stretch. Yeah, luckily he also has Cook and yep. uh, Clyde Edwards-Helaire, and he's also got Ronald Jones. So exactly. So I wouldn't say that that this one's going to win, yeah. but it's definitely been the most impactful injury for him because for, to be honest, he's been able to replace the production. It hasn't really dinged him that much. Yep. Um, for you, Cortland Sutton. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'd like to throw an honorable mention in here as well. Okay. Jalen Rager. Okay. Jalen Rager going down has opened up an opportunity for uh, Travis Fulgham that you have absolutely capitalized on. And he certainly earned a role for the rest of the season, regardless of when Jalen Rager comes back. Yep. Maybe he's not top receiver there, but he'll probably start, you know, like it's, it's, he's going to be relevant no matter what. Uh, and maybe, maybe he still uh, is the top guy for the rest of the season. Rest of the season you don't know. Um, for Dom 
and Masiska, that would be Sam Darnold. Yeah. Particularly tough on them because they don't have quarterback depth uh, anyway. Because yep. um, Trubisky has been benched. Um, for Linton, it's Marlon Mack. Now, this is because uh, that's basically consolidated that Indianapolis backfield for him. So um, for, for as, I guess, quote unquote, disappointing as, as Jonathan Taylor has been, imagine how much uglier this would have been for him if that production was divvied between Marlon Mack and Jonathan Taylor's two separate players. Yep. Uh, Hess gets the actual Dak Prescott loss effect. Um, this one is significant because not only has Hess lost Dak, but this uh, sent his entire team off the rails and onto the trade block. Um, for Thurston, we've got Michael Thomas. Um, that's an absolute stud that he's lost for the first, what, six weeks of the season yeah. and have made an impact on his record as well um, to this point. Um, Jack has lost Saquon Barkley. Mm. Um, I'm not sure if it's if if it's changed any matchups for him, but anytime you lose a guy like Saquon Barkley, that's it. It's it's huge. Um, yeah. And for the pros, Austin Eckler. Um, so him going down, they don't necessarily have the most depth at running back there, and uh, they've been forced to to play Kenyon Drake that to up until this week um, has been a disappointment. Yeah, they also so, had to start JD McKissick last week, which was they did. Surprising. Yeah, I, which he didn't. No, I was he ended up having an okay game, but yeah, he was he was fine. Um, I, and and I, and I know uh, you and I made that bet. I don't know. I don't know if, if you've been tracking it with the uh, Antonio Gibson, where we we bet on his uh, snap share for the year. Yeah, I think he's right around fifty. He's not quite there yet. He's at forty three percent. I think it's more like forty five, but yeah, it's not it's there yet. Forty three point eight percent. So forty four percent. Uh, so on that list, hmm, for me, it's between two teams or between two injuries and one has not really had the full extent felt yet. Uh, the Dak injury is crushing to Jimmy um, because, I mean, CeeDee Lamb's production is purely based around uh, Dak having to throw the ball for like 500 yards a week uh, in order to be even in a position to possibly win. And... Jake losing Christian McCaffrey is like a 20 point hole in his roster each week because he's replacing him with a guy who hasn't really gotten consistent production in Jerk McKinnon. And I mean, he's had a litany of injuries this year between Devontae Adams missing some games. Lamar Jackson's been dinged up and hasn't been able to run as much as he had last year. And obviously Christian McCaffrey, um, so I'm going to go with Christian McCaffrey for Jake for now, but I think, if Jimmy starts to struggle, the reason why, and I mean, he's replaced a lot of his guys. Uh, he's he's really in, improved his team a lot the last week or so. Uh, but if he does struggle, it's probably because their offense completely disintegrates. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely... Yeah, I, I, I agree with the thought process on a lot of this. He's um, gone one in three since McCaffrey got hurt. Yeah, and, and that's... That's huge. And really what it comes down to is, is Jake going to miss the playoffs because of McCaffrey being out? Uh, and if he's able to, to rebound, then maybe not. But if losing McCaffrey for this first stretch is the difference between him getting in and getting out, it's absolutely, it's absolutely there. For me, you know, I, 
it's it, it's hard to look at what Hess has done to his team post Dak and not say that Dak's injury has been has impacted Hess more than any other team has been impacted. Not because it's necessarily impacted his um, his production. Therefore, it has taken his team on a completely different course than it would have been on otherwise. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm definitely I'm curious to see how how Sands Dak affects Jimmy though too. Um, but it's certainly too early to really um, to really make any conclusive uh idea for how that goes and part of me wonders like all right and i'm curious to get your thoughts do mm-hmm. you think there's any chance that the cowboys trade for ryan fitzpatrick um i mean not at the moment i think they're gonna ride with andy i mean you don't sign a guy like andy dalton pay him the kind of money they did i think they paid him like like between five and seven million dollars to be their backup um if you're not gonna ride with him he's gonna get at least probably two more games i could see fitz getting moved at some point and i think he would improve their offense but i think teams are a little too hard-headed at least especially in the short term to make those kind of moves in the nfl so and i guess one, one more thing regarding fitzpatrick uh-huh. there's something funny about the difference between ryan fitzpatrick and Jameis winston because when people talk about Jameis, they talk about a guy who he throws too many picks and is such a bad quarterback. But then they talk about Ryan Fitzpatrick and then and they say, oh, but he's so fun. Like, he's just such a fun guy to have on an offense. Mm-hmm. And you're really talking about adding the same element. You're talking about that kind of gunslinger, YOLO, high risk, high reward. That, like, maybe a guy like Jameis would be would be um, appetizing for, for the Cowboys that they struggled. So I, th- I think... You, you, you're I don't right. Think the Saints are trading Jameis Winston, though. I think they see him as the successor to Breeze, and he's basically doing it like a master's degree in quarterbacking this year, learning under him. It's it's so funny what the Saints keep doing with their quarterback situation, of where you know their their third string quarterback is their actual guy who they think is 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 a legit quarterback, mm-hmm. and then you get Taysom Hill as this like gadget player. But uh, yeah, I, I'm definitely curious to see what happens with Jameis. I know that I know that that's a name we really haven't mentioned in a while, but. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Yeah. All right, that's is that is that it? We wrapped up. Is it pizza time now? <laughs> I think it's uh, trivia time for me. Are you guys having pizza tonight? Yeah, it's pizza tonight, and then nice. I'm uh, playing a game check. Nice. What are you guys playing? Uh, Baldur's Gate Three Early Access. Oh. Yeah. So we're uh, basically D and D nerding it up on a video game, and uh, looking forward to it. Sweet. Well, uh, I don't want to keep you from the rest of your night. Uh, Guys, I I hope you enjoyed this. uh, And please uh, don't take any of this too personally. It's just the two of our opinions. uh, Yeah, we're just having some fun. Uh, You should probably put a password on here too, like you did before. Like, let us know if you got to the end of the episode by saying like, what, Rosebud or something? Uh, I don't remember what it was last time. Turtlefish or something like that. Something turtle. Yeah. Um, If you get to the end of this... The first person to send uh, Jace Sternberger to Nick <laughs> will uh, get a shout out in the next podcast. Jace Sternberger and a dick pic. You yeah, need both. Dick pic with Jace Sternberger photoshopped on the face of the <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, everyone, for, for uh, hanging with us for, for another episode of the Elite Fantasy Podcast. Uh, we will catch you next time. All right. See you guys.